are recording in progress recording with the one the only dr alejandro diaz who is uh, i've been on here several times before uh, maybe i need a maybe i need to change my intro because the intro has always just been and we are recording but i suppose in the last couple of weeks i've started going live so i do we do I do I change that? Do I say and we are live? I I don't know. These are the important ph- philosophical questions that come with with running a with running a podcast. Um, but Dr. Diaz, you've been on here several times before. Um, talked about monkeypox. We've talked about uh, you know working as a as an immigration doctor. And um, I know that you are going to a conference or a panel coming up on the twenty eighth, if I'm correct. And that will be, I'm assuming the topic of today's discussion, which is, and that's another odd thing, is now that I'm going live, I have to have thumbnails ready. So it means I have to have titles ready. And I've always made titles afterwards. So now I have to do this weird, what are we talking about? And normally I just let it fly. But I'll shut up. Dr. Diaz, how are you doing, man? Hey, Tommy, thank you so much for the invitation. It's interesting to be live uh, with you. Usually we record the uh, the sessions, but, uh, you know, thank you so much. Tommy, um, for giving me the opportunity to talk about different topics, and yes, you're right. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be speaking. They invited me from the Mexican Senate. As you know, I'm a Mexican doctor. I was born and raised in Mexico, and um, I'm a pediatric allergist, immunologist, immigration doctor, and global health specialist. And um, so I received this invitation about, I want to say, three weeks ago, to the Mexican Senate to talk about the pandemic and vaccines. And obviously the title is Pandemic Vaccines and Lessons Learned. Um, They give me four hours. Uh, This is unprecedented. This is the first time ever that they invite a doctor to address this controversial and this complex topic. I am very fortunate. I'm very, I feel very uh, privileged to be invited among hundreds of thousands of doctors in, in Mexico. And, um, you know, it's, it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be very hard, but I'm with the spirit of uh, bringing people together. I'm trying to push the, um, the term that I've been talking to you, Tommy, which is that I, that I really think that it should be out there everywhere in the world. And, I'm, and of course, I'm talking about biopolitics. So biopolitics, it's not a new term, but the way that I'm putting together the term, it's, uh, I, I really think it's a new thing. It's a new deal. You know, the, the first time that that term biopolitics was ever heard, it was many years ago, many, many decades ago by a philosopher, uh, a French philosopher. His name was um, Foucault. Foucault was his last name, and uh, he he talked about biopolitics in a very, in a very you know, complex way, very very complex. But I'm trying to put it together to try to invite legislators from different parts of the world that we I really think we should put health on the first on the first tier, first level of commodities first level of everything else because if we don't have health Tommy we don't have anything are you agree with that yeah could you could you maybe explain the term bio biopolitics a little more because it's a it, that seems to be a, a pretty a pretty wide brush in terms of a term biopolitics right 
biopolitics in in a very uh, um, in a simple way, it's it's to put uh, bio, psycho, and social aspects of the people and society that has to go through politics. So politicians start to put it to put health on their agendas and start taking care of people at the highest level. At the highest level, after we lived what happened with the pandemic. And this, what I consider consider the worst, the worst catastrophe in public health history. We have to put this on politics agenda. Politicians, ninety nine point nine percent of politicians in the world, they're not doctors, they're not public health servants. They don't understand exactly what's going on with with health, and I don't blame them. This is important to say. I don't blame them because they don't know exactly uh, what health is and they didn't go to medical school and they didn't do specialties and so on and so forth. They don't treat patients. So we need to bring more doctors either as politicians or as an advisors. So together we can put these conversations and they can start building up public policies for health, for people. I really think that should be on the agenda of every parliament group everywhere in the world. Basically, that's that's what biopolitics and biopolitics will bring you to biopower. Biopower, I know it's it sounds it sounds very hard and it sounds strong, but it's biopower, it's the ability of the government to taking care of people. And people empower them with the with politicians, actually. And obviously, this will lead to a better world, to a healthier society, better people, better everything. It will take some. It will take time. This is not going to be uh, something that it will happen uh, very quick, but it will take time. But someone has to start with this, though. We have to put it on the conversation. And people, they need to start to start talking about this this new term and put it on the agenda. So, how are you going to be spearheading this in the Mexican Senate in what seventeen days? In seventeen days, yeah. This is unprecedented. This is the first time ever uh, they invited a doctor to address this complex topic. And basically, and virtually, I'm there. Uh, I will I will be there, uh, Tommy. With a spirit, with a spirit not of confrontation, not of pointing fingers, but as a way of bringing everybody together. You know, there are no winners or losers. There is no black and white. We have to come to a middle, to a middle point, and then from there, build, build up everything, and construct a better world, a better society. I think that's my that's that's my call definitely, and that will be my goal. What happened after that? I don't know exactly what will what will be the outcome of that, but I but I am positive that uh that um we will bring it to the conversation. So, if someone wanted to to see how the right, so it's like um you know it's like my New Year's resolution. I'm gonna lose weight. It's like 
great. But, you know, but then there are some, you got to have a little meat on the bones. You got to go, well, I'm, you know, well, this is the diet I'm doing and this is the grocery store that I'm going to buy this stuff. And then, you know, there's the gym down the road that I'm going to join. You can start to, it moves from the idea to how are we going to actually start to enact this in reality? I'm going to exercise for 20 minutes a day, four days, whatever, right? You start to set it out. So it moves from the idea of, you know, a generalized, I'm going to lose weight, I'm going to be healthier, into I'm going to go to this gym, which is up the block, and I'm going to go between the between 12 and 12.30 in the afternoon every day for whatever. And you can start to kind of see how it's going to roll out in the world. What exactly do you visualize, like, best-case scenario of this looking like? And and just we'll we'll just start with Mexico. What what actual what ways is it gonna gonna manifest? If that makes sense, do you? Yeah, it makes all the sense in the world. Uh, in the and I understand you perfectly, Tommy. Your 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 question, which is great. Uh, and this is the bottom line. This is exactly what what we are trying to achieve. Uh, so basically, it's to um, to awake to a create conscious. Awake people that the number one commodity in the world, it's not petroleum oil, natural gas, gold, silver, or cryptocurrency. If you go to Google, those top five things will come as commodity. If you go down, scroll down the line, you will never see health on those commodities. But the best commodity in the world, it has to be health. And we learned after this terrible pandemic you know lockdowns masks vaccines a lot of fear a lot of disease and death you know a lot of dead people unfortunately so i really think this is going to be like different layers and it will take time but at the end of the day it will be to increase the uh, level of healthcare at the best train more doctors and teach them how to take care of the patient on the three basic levels, which is bio, psycho, and social. Better nutrition, better access to healthcare, better access to uh, nutritious foods, and legislate about all those things. Because the main question here, Tommy, what are we going to be um, leaving to the next generations? And everything, it's a matter of time. And everything, it's a matter of, of, uh, of a timeline. And we are living on a society that we have to awake them. Not only the society by itself, but also doctors and politicians. So we can, we can create this biopolitics, biopower at glance, so everybody will have better access to everything. And then from there, you can construct, you can build everything else. So, so like, like, are, are we discussing like universal health care or, um, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. I, I'm like a very, I'm a very OCD guy is what I guess I'm getting at. Like, 
to me, I look at the, like, I never look at like an apartment as like my home. I look at it as like, oh, it has a door that locks and it has power. So I don't, like, I look at things in terms of extreme parameters. It won't get too hot. It won't get too cold. There's running water. There's a toilet and the door locks. That's kind of how I view things, right? Um, you know, I don't view money as money. I view money as like, I can put gas in a car and I can put food in my, st- very, I, I don't know why I just, it's probably not the healthiest way to live, but whatever, here we are. Um, <laughs> so like, so with this, like if, if, like, are you discussing just the idea of like universal healthcare? Like the idea that, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you could argue that financially nothing has brought us down more in any like three year span than a pandemic. Right. So you would argue that you'd want to have you know, you're, you know, what did COVID mainly kill? And it was uh, obese people, obese people and older people, but you can't cure age, not yet. So the argument would be, you know, better nutrition, better access to nutrition, better, I guess, public health awareness about exercise would make you more resilient to a pandemic and thus not succumb to the financial woes of it. I, I get that in theory, I guess. So that's, that's what I'm asking is like, specifically, what is, is it just, you know, like a, like a website where people can learn more about nutrition? Is it, it, are we talking about like government subsidized gym memberships or, or like universal health care or grants to medical schools to increase the, the class size? That's, that's, again, this is just like, perhaps it's my own, you know, flaw in how I examine things, but that, that's how I, that's what I guess what I'm asking is like boots on the ground. Like what, what is it? So it will come to one to one main one main idea, you know. And and for example, when 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 a pre-diabetic person goes to the doctor, and then all of a sudden, no one did anything because of lack of uh, information or what have you, anything. Um, and then the patient comes in, and now he's a blue a, a full diabetic. Something happened. Something happened down that road. Something didn't, somebody didn't do their job properly. So basically, it's very simple. It's prevention at the end of the day. And you prevent things by knowing things and understanding things and communicating. So we have to create a better communication between politics and society, doctors and society, and doctors and and politicians and vice versa. So it's very important. So a very simple way to create a healthier society, um, it's by prevention. Anything, anything you can imagine. Obviously, there are many, many in the huge catalog of diseases that they're virtually impossible to prevent, like genetic diseases, accidents, and so many other things. But many, many can be prevented. Definitely. And, uh, you know, create create a healthier societies, not only physically, but spiritually and mental health. That's very important. That's extremely important. This is why I always talk to my patients and in my conference and so on, that we have to take care of patients on the three biggest spheres, which is just bio, your body, organic and so on. Psycho, which is your mental health. And social, which is obviously definitely part of the spirituality and things like that. So I really think that that will be a great intervention. But we have to 
we have to be on an agreement and people they are they have to be willing to participate so but imagine if we multiply in different countries in different states in the u.s or everywhere uh, this kind of thoughts you know we're gonna have a healthier society at the end of the day this is what everybody is looking for a healthier life and a longer life at the end of the day that's everybody is looking for that especially these days what um have you prepared your speech for the mexican senate yes that's a i think i'm ready four hours is a long time man i i can i can do about an hour podcast i can do four hours if i'm just like you know shooting the shit you got four hours you got four hours up your sleeve It's a tough job. It's going to be tough. You think you're going to be able to do it? Yeah, I think I, I think I, I am. Can you give us any 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 particular preview? Well, basically, uh, the the way the way that I'm trying to organize my my presentation, you know, it's a it's a lot of time, but they they were willing to give me this long period of time to try to express so many ideas and so many things, and um, basically, it's an introduction. An introduction, and that introduction will be um, uh, charge of a lot of history, medical history, uh, history of vaccines, history of uh, pandemics, so we can put uh, place and time, and we can understand what has happened in the past, and then and then talk about properly the um, what's going on currently everywhere in the world. This is not. This is not a problem that that it that it's a one country problem. This is a worldwide. This this pandemic hit hit all all countries in the world, virtually all societies. Uh, didn't care if it was poor people, rich people, tall people, short people. Everybody, everybody was affected. And then um, so it's going to be a series of um, charts and information. A lot of information uh, that I've been recollecting everywhere, you know, with Dr. Peter McCullough and many, many I've been talking to Dr. Malone lately and, um, well, texting with him. I've been texting with him, with Dr. Malone. Um, so just gathering a lot of information. And, you know, this is not new. As you know, Dr. Peter McCullough had a hearing at the U.S. Senate mm -hmm. and the Texas Senate as well. Yep. And also Dr. Asim Alhorta, which is another cardiologist in the UK, he was invited by the UK Parliament to speak about this. And now I am invited at the Mexican Senate. So I, I really think that this is this is something that we have to. Um, I think this these are great news because we're inviting we're inviting people to um, to create this conscience about something that is most valuable than anything else. I mean, this is the most valuable thing we have and it's our health, it's our lives. How do you think your, uh, <clears throat> your time as a, as an immigration doctor will tie into this? Cause that's, you know, that's, that's a unique field in terms of, in terms of medicine is, is, you know, the flow of people between countries. I'm not sure if that's necessarily applicable to, to what you're talking about, but in terms of, terms of novel experiences you certainly have one that most doctors don't have do you think that will tie into tie into your lecture or tie into into biopolitics and biopower 
Absolutely, absolutely. In fact, there's there's a chapter during my my speech, my presentation, that I will address that because I mean we're living in one of the worst uh, one of the worst immigration crises ever, ever. We're talking about at least three point three million people crossing from the southern border of Mexico all the way through Mexico and trying to cross to the United States. We haven't seen that ever in a period of uh, from like 2018 to 2023 now. I mean, it's a lot of people. And obviously, as you know, and we, we have discussed this before, I mean, the immigration part of medicine addresses exactly that. What, you know, the, the, the health part of immigration from the medical standpoint, communicable diseases, and also mental health. Because immigration is a big issue. It's not. It's not. It's not just moving people from point A to point B. There's a you know a a, a huge cascade of events that happens through the immigration uh, phenomenon. Do you think the pandemic will actually change uh, immigration laws in countries, not even just the United States, but in terms of? In terms of kind of how pan uh, the pandemic did bring countries to their knees, do you think that will? Ch and I'm not even saying it's for the better; it could be for the worse, it could be for the better. I don't know, but objectively, do you think do you think that will start to change? Uh, change the laws of immigration as someone that's worked in it. Well, they uh, as just to set up an example, Title Forty Two. You know, it's basically. It's not an immigration law. It's a public health law or initiative, and it has been has been uh, been placed in the U.S. only a couple of times, and this was one one of it. And Title Forty Two basically more than an immigration law. It's a public health unit. It's a CDC, NIH, HHS, and so on. To you know, if there's if there's a a huge burden of immigrants coming from a high burden um communicable disease place they have to they have mm -hmm. to stay in the last country which is mexico you know and th this is exactly the way that you know president trump started it on on march of 2020 because it was in the middle of the pandemic well in the starting of the pandemic at the start of the pandemic so the cdc the nih and the, and the hhs they they proposed that President Trump that he should enforce the uh, the application of uh, Title Forty Two, and that's it's still going on. So definitely yes, health care or health situations they definitely will impact immigration laws in different countries. Could you explain Title Forty? Normally, normally I tell the guests to explain something to my audience, but I have to come clean. Could you explain Title 42 to me? Okay, so, so Title 42, it's, it's kind of complex, but I'm going to try to, to give my, my best explanation of Title 42. So basically, Title 42 has been, has been there for decades, decades and decades. And um, it was a CDC and NIH initiation. And what happened was during, during the 2020, at the very beginning of the pandemic, they enforce that law. So basically is no one who is coming unauthorized to the United States 
and it's coming from a high burden country with a high level of cases of communicable diseases. They don't care which could be tuberculosis, could be anything you can imagine. Okay. Here, it was a communicable disease. It was COVID. It was SARS-CoV-2. So they, they enforced that law and it started, I believe it was March 20, 2020. And it's still, it's still active. So that's, that's pretty much the short explanation or description, description of uh, Title 42. I don't know for how long it will stay there because it seems that everywhere else, everywhere else, I mean, all over the world, the pandemic is starting, is starting to, the COVID cases, they're starting to coming down, so, uh, you know, except for some countries. But worldwide, they're, they're starting to come down for different reasons. So I don't know if they're going to still enforcing Title 42 or it will, or it will, it will disappear in the foreseeable future. Um, do you think that because COVID's kind of winding down and people are more focused on the war in Ukraine as well as recent Chinese incursions into U.S. airspace, do you think that will almost how do I word this lessen the appetite of the audience to learn about? biohealth and bio right like two years ago two years ago if you tried to pitch the sovereignty of ukraine everyone would be like shut up dude we're talking about covid right and now it's now it's you know bring up covid and ivermectin everyone's like that's so last year right it's it's do you do you fear that that's the case and is and is that almost even better it's are things less rabid and less emotional that's a very interesting question tommy um i think that well, and I, I've been I've been telling you this since we first met our first uh, show um, that COVID is here to stay. Yeah, it's not going anywhere. No. So it's gonna it's here to stay. And, and as you know, I I said that at the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah, no, it's here for pretty much on January 20, 2020, I was talking about that that this is a virus that it's here to stay. It's not going anywhere. Yeah, it's part of the family. So, yeah, but. But the cascade of consequences of the healthcare, of the health, of uh, public health um, standpoint, it will last for generations because we not only have the, I mean, it's going to be in the textbooks. It's going to be everywhere. If yeah. you, if you see the new, the new versions of, for example, USMLE, United States Medical Licensing Ex Examination, one of those books, like step one or step one, step two, yeah. whatever, they, they, you, you know about that. Uh, it's already there. They have oh, really? chapters it's already in the SARS and vaccines and so on. I mean, it, it changed the course of the world. Yeah. It, it's, it's incredible. So people will talk about COVID for many, many, many years. That's one thing. And then obviously the cascade of events that, that, um, you know, um, side effects of long COVID syndrome. That's one thing. So we're going to see a lot of patients and a lot of people with long COVID syndrome for we don't know how many how many years. It can be months or, 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 or one decade. We don't know. We, this is prospective. This is in the future. That's one thing. And then the other thing that we're looking at worldwide, worldwide, it's the side effects of vaccines, specifically mRNA genetic imprinting. And I... That's what I wanted to touch on, right? And then there's a to any critics of us, the very 
the very easy, low-hanging fruit attack is, oh, you're an anti-vaxxer, in which case, no, I'm not. I Aside from the COVID vaccine, I, I have every va- I Actually, during the pandemic, I did get a booster, but it was for tetanus. It was, I have all of my vaccines, right? I'm not an anti-vaxxer, uh, but I was not for this one. And if you want to go get it, I'm not against that either. How do you think that will tie into the psycho, into the social aspects of it is? There's an undeniable scientific fact that these have not been effective and relative to normal safety standards, you know, someone might say, oh, whatever, 10,000 cases of myocarditis, but 300 million people vaxxed. That's a sure that's a small percentage, but our normal threshold is even lower than that. Right. It was the 1976. Is it the flying that the the swine, excuse me, the, the, the flu, the flu vaccine, like like 20 people died and they took it off the market. So Historically, we have had an extremely low threshold, almost non-existent, to where if a handful of people die, they take it off the market. How do you think this is going to tie into the whole the psycho and the social aspects of, I guess, your lecture to the Mexican Senate is that you, you can't really hide it anymore. I mean, it, these have not been effective, and for a lot of people, these are not safe, and it's just... You know, two years ago, that was a that was a sacrilegious statement. A year ago, that was a an edgy statement, and now it's kind of a little lukewarm. And I think next year it will be accepted as pretty much fact that these are not effective, and they are certainly not safe. Which then, well, sorry, erodes trust in public institutions, not just health. Any governmental board, people are kind of. Now looking at it and going, well, what else are they lying to me about? Definitely. So uh, let's talk about immunology 101, Tommy. Very simple. And so everybody can have a, an idea of the truth. And you know truth, it's only one. That's it. And then you get from there. Any vaccine who has been developed since 1784 by Edward Jenner, the English physician, that started with cowpox. And then he saw that inoculating an eight-year-old boy, he didn't, he wouldn't have uh, smallpox, you know? So that's when he's considered the father of immunology, Dr. Edward Jenner from, from England. Since then, vaccines should have three purposes or three main purposes, let's say. Number one, it has to awake an immune response, number one. That means building up uh, antibodies. Number two, it has to have very low or no side effects. And number three, it, it, it should prevent the disease. And now I am asking you, and everybody should be asking the same question. Did we achieve this with COVID vaccines? I don't care about the brand or the country was it was developed that we we did not unfortunately it didn't awaken correct immune response no small side effects huge side effects and no preventable disease was achieved because many of patients who have been having covid last year this year Virtually all of the, most of them, they were vaccinated. 
So if you're vaccinated with, uh, let's say, varicella, you will never get varicella. If you had varicella, you will never develop varicella again, ever. Same with polio. Same with uh, diphtheria, tetanus, um, you name it. Isn't it like in the UK, I think Australia and Israel, isn't it now that not only it's like if you're vaccinated, you're like four times as likely to get COVID. The hell is that? Statistics are um, <laughs> like what? tremendous. I mean, it's crazy the the statistics that there are out there, but very by very serious and professional physicians and scientists. It's crazy. I mean, you, you you'll see everything there. I, I don't even want to go that far with statistics right now, but it's sure. always, I mean, it's overwhelming. Like you said, you cannot hide it anymore. It's impossible. It's out there. See those who can see and hear those who can hear. This is what we are living right now, you know. Well, I guess the absurd. Well, I guess I guess the implications of this are less of the COVID vaccine because what's done is done. If you got it, you got it, and if you didn't, you're probably not going to get it. But it's more so, what does this do to the future of trust in public health, right? Because now you got your average Joe, who maybe even incorrectly might start going, "Well, they lied about COVID. How do I not know they're lying about tetanus?" And it's like, well, no, you probably should get your tet. You you should probably still get that, but there are people who. Rightfully so, don't really have any reason to believe at these public institutions, which have gaslit them and lied to them. And that's our biggest uh, our biggest challenge, uh, Tommy. Yeah. You know, for for doctors, like I would like, I know there's a, already an association, and I know there's I haven't one. talked to him, but I, I've been reading since the beginning, like frontline doctors. You remember that? Oh, the FLCCC. FLCCC, I think uh, Dr. Pierre Corey, Corey, Paul, head Eric, of, head of, yeah. exactly, Merrick, and 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 so on. I haven't talked to them, but I've been reading it, as you know, you know, uh, uh, the the book written by by our great friend Dr. Peter McCall, the the courage debate of nineteen, and also Robert F. Kennedy Jr., the real, uh, Anthony, Fauci. The real Anthony Fauci, and so on. There's so many books, but definitely by far, these are the best books out there. These are not books. These are documentaries. Everything is there. The truth is right there. So everybody who's ready for the truth will understand it and will be open to. Because sometimes people were not, you know, three different, three very difficult things in life among many, but very, very difficult. Stop smoking, decrease weight, lose weight, and accept that we were wrong. Those are very difficult things. So you rather, when specifically with accepting that we have been wrong, we rather go that route till the end of I don't know yeah. that road. But you will never accept. You know, you know what? I was wrong. Yeah. I admit it. It's very difficult. It's, it's the most very difficult, difficult. Most difficult thing. Yes, it's, it's easy, very difficult. It's easier to stop drinking caffeine than it is yes. to admit you are wrong. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I don't know if we'll get that then. It. Yeah, I don't really see if we'll, I don't know if we'll get that. So a lot of people uh, tell me it's in, in denial, denial, denial. And the first step, if we want to move forward, if we can, we want to go to the right direction, 
is that we have to stop being on that denial phase and be open. Listen to the experts. Listen to the experts and understand exactly what happened. And, you know, I really think this was a trap. This was a trap. Expand on that. The COVID thing, it was a trap. It was a trap to actually cause exactly what happened. And most of the people fell into that trap. With the vaccine, obviously, and, 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 and so on. You know, there were there was a it was a different series of events. It was not only COVID and vaccines. There were so many things out there. When you say to to fall into the trap and have have exactly what happened happen, do you mean? Oops, there's hold on. I'm still here. It's uh, it's been doing this lately. It's been doing this. This. This has happened another time now. This really expensive camera keeps shutting down. It should not be doing that. It is wow. a ro- much like the COVID vaccine is making people lose trust in vaccines. This camera, this that expensive camera is making you lose all trust in Sony. Why is it that this camera that's built in and cheap, why is it that this one works 24-7? And why is it that that expensive one decides when it's going to work? This, that's my own bone to pick. This is two days right. in a row. Two days in a row, Sony. I'm looking at you. Um, hey, but that's, this is a this is a great angle for you. You look great. It's a great angle. Thank you. But that's not that my podcast is big enough. But when I get big enough, I'm going to remember this, and I'm never yeah. going to let Sony sponsor me. <laughs> um, when you're talking about the trap, though, do you mean to to make a lot of money, or to cause excess deaths? Because I mean, one of them is, and I and I I'd kind of think they are trying to cause excess that's just my own opinion and i speak for myself not for dr diaz i i I get the make a lot of money thing that's as old as you know that's dawn of time people are corrupt and they're going to try to make a couple shekels i get that do you when you said it's a trap do you mean that they were intending to cause excess deaths whoever whoever that was or they were uh they they um, achieved their their purpose hmm. exactly about that and and the numbers are out there Tommy it's it's overwhelming the information it's out there we cannot we cannot hide it anymore or they cannot hide it anymore it's it, it was a trap it was a it was a definitely it was a trap and a lot of people fell into that trap are you going to discuss that in front of the Mexican Senate is that part of your oh. your talk. Probably not, Probably but they're not. watching right now the live, your live, your live podcast. So I don't know. And, you know, these are very sure. serious, no, difficult topics. These are very difficult and serious topics and, and, and uh, we have to address it the right, the right way. Sure. Uh, and, and the best defense for anything, it's that the information, it's overwhelming. It's out there. It's out there. It's just a matter of putting attention, stop being on the denial phase and just look at the facts. What are the facts? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at patients every day, every day with serious side effects of, of vaccines, whatever that brand is, serious side effects. You know, it takes, it takes from, as you know, Tommy, it takes from 10 to sometimes 14 years to develop a vaccine. Yeah. This was rushed. Everything was rushed, like go, 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 go. So when you are in a rush, you don't pay attention. You're distracted. And this is what happened. No one paused 
per time and say, wait a minute, hold on, hold on. What are you talking about? It, it takes time. There are four phases and each phase is very complex, very complex. What is the rush? Oh, people is getting sick and people is this and that and people is dying. Yes, I'm extremely and I will be always very extremely sorry for the people who, that unfortunately died with COVID or for COVID, which is a different thing. We discussed this before. And I'm and as a as a doctor, one of my main one of my main functions is to preserve life and to help others, to help my patients. You know, from providing CPR. Remember what happened to Damar Hamlin, number three of mm -hmm. the Buffalo Bills? I mean, that was on live, one of the most watched uh, sports in, in the world, which is which is American football on Monday night. And look what happened. And but now it's overwhelming. It's all over. The, you go to every country and you will see those things. You know, people um, um, suddenly dying, people with myocarditis, with pericarditis, with neurological problems, autoimmune disease, people covered in hives everywhere, everywhere. And I'm I'm seeing all those I'm seeing all those uh, problems as a doctor. Obviously, politicians, they don't get to see that. I, I'm not blaming them. They're not doctors. They don't see patients. They are doing a different thing, which is politics. So this is where I really think that health doctors and politicians, they have to be combined or they have to be you know, on an agreement. You know, we need your information and we need your line because you can make things happen. Hmm. But we need leaders. We need leaders. You know, in this life, there are two kinds of people, leaders and followers. We need some leaders to make more people following those leaders. And we're lacking of leaders worldwide. We're living in a very, in a very difficult situation right now. From the spiritual standpoint, and I don't want to get into that because that's more complex, even more complex, <laughs> but from the spiritual standpoint, from the biological standpoint, obviously that will lead us to healthcare. And then nutrition, look at the, uh, the uh, amount, the increased amount of obese people and overweight people everywhere. From the pandemic? No, no, or, no. Or just in general? General, everywhere in the world. So we, we're, we have to create this and we have to create this conversation. So you, We'll talk about in your podcast about biopolitics and people will follow. Hey, what is Tommy talking about? And we will describe phase by phase like an onion, peeling the onion. Um, so we can go, we can get to the heart, to the core uh, of, of what we are trying to achieve, which is a better society, a healthier society. If we want to give up on that, that's a different story. But at least someone or somebody us to start with the conversation and is that what you're hoping to do in front of uh in... i think this i am sure that this is my call yeah this is my call and i'm talking about that this is god's call for um, me and then the second phase is that i will be, if i will be able to address that properly to communicate that properly and to try to incentivize you know, and convince people to start doing those things. That's a different story. One thing is the call, 
the other thing is the outcome hmm. is there have they insinuated at all that uh that they're gonna take any the mexican government are they gonna take any steps in i guess in after your after your are they kind of how do i word this are they going to develop programs as an effect of your your speech? Is are they? You bring in someone specifically, for like I don't know, like um, they brought in a uh, McNamara from whatever from I think Ford to to run the de- Department of Defense under Kennedy. Yes, yes. Kennedy wanted right. somebody that could streamline. Even before him, I think Eisenhower brought in someone from Chrysler to streamline the missile program because. They wanted somebody that had the ability to mass produce things and, you know, have efficient supply lines. So there's a you're not just bringing them in to give them a speech. You're having them come in, give a speech and then almost handing them the reins and saying, now go forth and do X, Y and Z. Are they giving you any sort of leeway? Is there any sort of power? Are they, you know, what's going to be enacted in the wake of your in your speech? No, they, they, they haven't committed to anything. They just invited me. I, I really think that they're 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 just want to hear somebody that they think understands the the current situation, gotcha. and obvi- obviously I will be I will be proposing things and I will be you know making conclusions, and and it will be up to them at the end of the day. Do you think that I'm just going to be a voice? Is there anybody else going aside from you? Just you. Uh-oh, Dr. Can you imagine, Tommy? Running in solo. You're in, going... fact, I, in fact, I, I'm inviting you to be there. You're inviting me? Yeah. Are you going to let me into Mexico? I'm not vaccinated. Am I allowed to Am I allowed to visit another you country? Are, you, are, you are allowed. You are allowed. Do you think uh, they'll let me in? I'm, I'm inviting you live right now. Oh, God. Oh, God. Let's go to Mexico City, man. I'll go to Mexico City. I don't know if Have they'll... you ever been there? No. I've never left the United States. I don't know if they'll allow me. It's a beautiful city, man. Oh, you're going to be... That's a beautiful city. It's one of the most gorgeous cities that I have ever been. And I have been, as you know. Yeah. I have been. That's kind of, and you know, obviously it's private conversation, so you don't need to elaborate on it. But have you gotten any uh, any sage advice from Dr. McCullough and or Dr. Malone? Yeah, I've been talking to them about this so I can compose the very uh, um, important conversation, important presentation. Obviously, I have my own, but, you know, the uh, enrichment of, of my conversation and my presentation with this super, super doctors, uh, it will be invaluable. And, and then more people, is, it's, it's adding their own point of views to this. So, you know, that will enrich, only will enrich the, the, the presentation and, and hopefully the, the outcome. Hmm. Um, and I guess the last, last couple minutes of our, of our show, and obviously you'll, you'll come back on as you've been on multiple times before. Um, is there anything you want to bring up that I haven't hit on? Cause obviously I'm, I'm not a doctor and I don't understand politics and biohealth. So I've, I've tried to ask you the correct questions. Is there anything else you want to bring up that I haven't touched on? Uh, I, I think that we pretty much touch all the, 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 the important points today on today's show and um um i think you did a great job like always tommy thank you sir and i always have to kind of leave this disclaimer everything i everything i said i speak for myself not for dr diaz all right that goes for all of my guests whenever i talk i'm beholden to nobody so i can go way off into the atmosphere but uh 
obviously I speak for myself and not, not for Dr. Diaz. So, um, yeah, that's just my own disclaimer that every once in a while I got to throw out there again. Uh, Dr. Diaz, I will, I will link your Twitter. It'll be in the description. Guys, go follow Dr. Diaz. You can't follow me because I'm still banned from Twitter. Banned from Twitter for inter- posting a link to my interview with Dr. Malone. Dr. Wow. Malone's back on Twitter, but I'm not. You will be back. You will be back. I've appealed multiple times. Everyone's back, but I think I think the Taliban is on Twitter. But I'm really not. yeah, oh. like the like the terrorist like the terrorist organization. <laughs> not you me. will be back. That's you will be back. that's why I'm hesitant when I'm like, will Mexico City allow me? Twitter won't. <laughs> iTunes won't. But they'll allow some other crazy stuff on there. So. Yeah, I don't actually know. I don't actually know. When Al-Qaeda is allowed to, when like Mahmoud Ahmadinejad is allowed to be tweeting on Israel, not tweeting about Israel, but I'm not allowed to go on. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, I don't know. It's got me double thinking my, my own place in society. I'm like, what am I, what am I doing? What am I doing wrong? But um, Dr. Diaz, I love you, brother. Thank you so much for your Same time. here, brother. Same here. And um, well, it's live, so the link's already up, but uh, we'll schedule another one and best and are you going to be post is 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 your testimony not testimony is your speech going to be live is there anywhere that people can follow that is it will will you post it, that it, stuff on your twitter it's, it's good yeah I, I will put it there yeah exactly it's going to be a lot of media coverage and um the uh, i'm assuming that the, the channel of the senate will be on sure and uh i don't know let's let's wait at i you know i can't wait to to be there and uh you know it's it seems it seems like a a a easy challenge, but it's not. There's yeah. a lot of haters out there. Absolutely. A lot of haters. Absolutely. But if the big man is sending me, I will go to any battle. Well, it's all good. Send me. There you, there you go, my man. Dr. Diaz, you're a real one. Thank you so much. Guys, again, his Twitter will be in the description. Today is February 11th. He will be giving this speech on February 28th. So go follow his Twitter, bookmark it, set a reminder on your phone, and I'm sure Dr. Diaz will post the links and uh, I'm sure that you will remind me as that date is approaching and uh, I will put out a reminder for people as well. Thank you so much, brother. God bless you, Tommy. Dr. Diaz. God bless everybody. Thank you so much. God bless everybody. Stay safe out there. Thank you so much. Peace.